Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Well, it's another Pilot's Advisor podcast. Walter Sorholt here alongside Ryan Fleming, financial advisor at Fleming Financial Group, serving you worldwide. And I have to change my notes now, Ryan. You're no longer in Charleston. You're now in, in Georgia for the next little while, as you uh, as you mentioned on the last show. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more information, listen to past episodes of the show, you can go to FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. Ready for another great show today, Ryan? We are. We have your radio voice, so all my listeners will be happy. I didn't mean to hesitate when I said the word great, like it, there was a possibility it wasn't going to be a great show. Well, I'm not, I'm not very talented at this whole podcast <laughs> thing, but uh, you know, I'm getting a little better. You're doing just fine, my friend, just fine. On today's show, we're going to be talking about obsolete retirement planning ideas. If you have uh, gotten a new computer in the last couple of years or an iPhone a couple of years ago, you've probably realized it is already obsolete and needs to be replaced. Uh, the pace of replacement in the technological world is pretty amazing. Um, but the way that some people think about retirement also needs to be replaced, also tends to be obsolete at this point in time. Now, maybe it's taken us a little bit longer for these things to become obsolete, but the same concept applies. That's what we want to dive into on today's show. Some of the outdated ideas that people still cling to, Ryan, and I'm interested to get your opinion on these things. Uh, first one, let's start with the, the classic one. As you get older, you should move from stocks to bonds to get ready for retirement or as you get into retirement. Is that really a, an outdated idea at this point in time? Well, there's there's two aspects to this that I would like to bring up since you gave, gave me the stage. Sure. Um, so many people, as they start nearing you know retirement or sixty years old, they really feel like they have to pull the throttles back and and have a lot more exposure to stocks or excuse me to bonds to lower their volatility in their portfolio. However, it has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with your time horizon. So, as an example, you know many of my clients are FedEx pilots that are going to have a pension or you know retired military that are going to have a pension. So if the majority of that 401k that you have, you're not going to be tapping into for your monthly income, your time horizon on most of that money is pretty far off and you could be much more aggressive. Also, when you talk about it being obsolete, most studies have shown that you actually need those equities in your portfolio to actually get the returns to justify the 4% rule, which is another, you know, other old, you know, wisdom of what, what you could pull off your portfolio, but you actually need, you need the exposure to equities to actually get those returns to beat inflation nowadays. Yeah. So it's interesting because it's, um, it seems like something that's safe is to, you know, move into bonds from stocks. But what you often find today is that that, that whole purpose of doing that, the safety isn't necessarily there like it used to be back in the day. Well, for sure. And, you know, you're not getting the same returns on bonds. But another problem that I see that happen happens with a lot of people's portfolios is you, you get bonds in your portfolio to lessen the volatility. But the only type of bond that has a negative correlation to stocks, meaning if stocks are going down, the bonds are going up, is short-term fixed income. So if you are buying any type of bond that is not a short-term fixed income bond, 
you're really not helping yourself at all. All you're really doing is accepting less return. So, you know, if the market's up 6%, you're going to get your 3%. So it it doesn't really make sense because you want to have something that has a negative correlation to stocks. Well, hey there. We hope you're enjoying listening to The Pilot's Advisor today. Just wanted to take a quick moment from the show to remind you that if you have any questions ever about what Ryan talks about on the program, need any assistance with your financial planning, need some guidance to get to and through retirement, or whatever financial questions might be on your mind, don't ever hesitate to reach out. The simple way to get in touch with Ryan is to pick up the phone and call or text 843-475-3038. Again, that's 843-475-3038. You can also find Ryan online at FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. And as always, we put contact information to get in touch with Ryan in the description or the show notes section of the program. So just check it out on whatever app you're using, and it's easy to get in touch with Ryan. All right, now back to the show. The other idea that often comes up, Ryan, is this uh, mentality to get to the point of having a million dollars in your retirement accounts, and that's sort of like the magic sign that you're ready for retirement. So, you know, get to a million saved, you're good to go. I mean, how, how could you not be ready for to retire with a million dollars in the bank? Isn't it so funny how over time, like things just change? Because I remember when I was a kid, I was like, God, if I could make $100,000 a year in my job, I will be so rich. I'll be loaded. I'll, be, I'll retire or, in 10 years, right? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, or, save, or, I'll save it all up. <laughs> you know, and, and with inflation, I mean, no different than gas prices, like, a million dollars is nothing. You're not going to be able to retire in most cases. You know, that million dollars is only going to spit out, you know, $40,000 a year for you. And most people are living well beyond that. And, you know, just with inflation, I think it's just crazy how much things have changed. Cause, you know, that number for most people is probably over 2 million. And I don't think that the average investor out there has any clue how much they really need to save in retire for retirement to spit out, you know, a, a income that they're probably living off of right now with their jobs. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. It, it all comes down to the focus, it seems, being on the wrong goal, right? I mean, the goal is just on the on the, the, the amount of money you can amass side of things and not enough attention paid to what you need on the other side of the equation, how much you're spending and how much you're going to ultimately need. So that one, to me, really identifies a lack of uh, focus on the on the right questions in retirement. Well, for sure. And, and we're, we're in an unprecedented time. This is the first generation where pensions are no longer a thing. I mean, it used to be where you went and worked for, you know, General Electric or whatever company it was that you worked for, and you worked for them for 30 years, and then they were going to pay you a pension when you retired. Well, as corporations have changed and they've gotten rid of these pension plans, all the onus is on the individual investor. And sadly, you know, I don't think we do a very good job of teaching personal finance in our schools. And a lot of these individuals aren't saving for retirement and they're going to find themselves, you know, having to work the rest of their lives because they haven't planned ahead. And I think that's a a thing that I battle with is teaching people that, hey, you know, the government's not going to take care of you. Social Security is actually decreasing, you know, as a percentage of income replacement. And you really have to, to start saving on your own. That's a great point, Ryan. Yeah, very, very true. It would be nice if we could have some better personal financial lessons growing up in school for those who don't learn it in the home. It'd be nice to get some better exposure. I feel like the only thing I really learned growing up in school from a personal finance perspective, one was a teacher in fourth grade who every Friday 
carved out an uh, like an hour of time during the day every Friday for um, basically like uh, market day. I, I don't know if what, what she actually called it. I can't remember the name of the, of the activity or the day. But the beginning of the year, she gave everybody in the room a certain amount of these purple dollars. And every Friday, you could do whatever you wanted during that hour. And the goal was trying to end up with the most money by the end of the year. Um, from from the group in the class, the most purple dollars, and you could bring baked goods and sell goods and buy other people's, you know, have other people buy your goods. You could trade. You could do whatever you wanted to do. And I was like a shark. Like I was just constantly like baking on Thursday nights to bring stuff into school to sell to you know treats for kids and candies and just everything I could think of to try and make as many purple dollars as I possibly could. I learned so many lessons. I think during that year, every Friday, getting ready for that. And the most important lesson, the week before it was to all be counted, I left it in my pocket when it went into the washing machine, and all of the purple bills were completely destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) And the teacher, to her credit, I'm so glad she did this, she knew I had the most money accumulated in class. I mean, it was well known that I that's that I had had the most because I was always walking in with that stack, you know, fat stack of cash every every Friday. And, but she said, "Well, sorry, you should have taken better care of it." And so I didn't win. Somebody somebody else won, and uh, and that's just how that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know. And that's yeah. how it happened. So I, that was a great lesson for me to learn to like protect what's important to you and protect your money and. You know, not that regular money is going to necessarily get uh, destroyed in the washing machine like the purple dollars did, but the lesson stuck with me all those years. So they they need to do more of that kind of stuff, I think, in school, so people kind of really get a sense of what it's like to take care of of money and uh, and, and their personal financial situation. Well, that sounds like a great teacher because for you to all these years later, you know, think about fourth grade and on Fridays, purple dollars. It obviously had an effect on you. And, and sadly, I think a lot of people aren't getting any exposure to personal finance. You know, I, I think back and it's like, oh, here's how you balance a checkbook. And that was it. That was it. Well, yeah, that, that was going to be my other one was that's the only other thing they showed us how to do was how to write a check. <laughs> and, and, and now that's, that's obsolete. I mean, yeah, my, my yeah. mom, I think, is the only person on the face of the earth that still balances her checkbook. And, you know, like, I don't, I don't think many other people are doing that nowadays. And it's funny because she'll send off a $25 or $50 check for one of my kids' birthdays or something like that. And, and if I don't cash it, she's calling me like, Hey, I can't balance my checkbook. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Uh, I actually had a a family member just send me a uh, check the other day and um, I'm like, Oh, now I have to open the app. And I've got to scan it and take a picture of it. And, you know, it's like 21st right. century problems, right? First world problems. Well, but yeah, it's, it's just grocery, so funny. At the grocery store and suddenly you're behind an elderly lady that's having to write a check for her groceries. And you're like, oh my God, kill me. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. It's too funny. Uh, I, I still great respect for those who, are, who have the patience to, to write checks and deal with all that. That's for sure. I feel like I write maybe two checks a year. You know, like just for random things. So some service person is like, hey, I'll save you money on, uh, you know, if, if you can write me a check, you know, I'll, I, I won't charge you the 3% markup for the credit card fees and that kind of thing. So every once in a while, we'll, I'll have one of those pop up where I'm like, all right, fine, we'll do the, we'll do the check. Although now yeah. a lot of those folks who, are, who used to be that are doing like Venmo. Uh, I guess yep. it's, it still allows them to avoid some like uh, some of those credit card fees. So even even those folks are becoming less and less these days. Interesting. Well, one, once again, just technology continues to change. And one point that I would like to to bring up 
you know, talking about my mother or the elderly lady that's writing a check at the grocery store. From a generational perspective, I think we've lost the ability to be fiscally responsible in the sense of the generation before us was very good at saving their money. And when they had enough money to buy XYZ product, after they had saved for it, then they would go and get it. Whereas we have a generation now where you just go throw it on a credit card or you just go buy now, instant gratification, and then you pay for it over time or later. And you know the amount of people that I've seen that have massive credit card debt that you know they're having just to pay the interest on their credit card is killing them every month. And so it's just, it's just sad to see the, the difference in perspective of the generations. Have you ever wanted to learn more about the academic approach to investing and saving and planning for retirement that Ryan talks about here on The Pilot's Advisor? Well, if so, go visit pilotsadvisor.com, pilotsadvisor.com. You can watch a quick webinar on the academic approach to investing. It'll show you how not to speculate and gamble with your money. It's all based on Nobel Prize winning research. Only takes about 10 minutes to get through the video and watch it. Going to be worth your time, I promise you. Go check it out right now, pilotsadvisor.com. It's a webinar that covers that academic approach to investing, pilotsadvisor.com. All right, back to the show. All right, one more example of an obsolete retirement planning idea would be that you're going to need less income in retirement than you needed while you were working. So there's this idea is, you know, that other side of the equation of, uh, you know, we talked about kind of the, uh, the idea of how much money we need to amass. Well, now how do we turn that into income and what we're spending in retirement? And a lot of people just kind of assume, I don't know what the number is, Ryan. I feel like I've heard people throw out 80%. I've heard some throw out as low as 60%. You're only going to need 60% of or 80% of what you spend on a daily basis in retirement. So, you know, you don't you don't need that as much as you think because of that. Well, the number that I use would be 80%, but that's possibly true, but often not the case. I mean, some people have big travel plans or they want to, you know, go join the golf club and golf every day and would the reality of the situation, you might need even more in retirement than what you need as you're working now because the other factor is you're not at work, you know, from 9 to 5 five days a week. So now when you're not going to work, it's like, oh, well, let's go to lunch today. Hey, let's go visit, you know, these friends. And all those actually that the those bills add up. So I would argue, you know, this point that you might need more in retirement. And then also a factor to consider is that, you know, there's different timelines as you retire. And they talk about if you broke it up into thirds, we'll say, you know, that you have your go-go years, and this is probably right after you retire, that you're doing all these vacations and traveling or whatever, whatever. but as you get older, you start having those no-go years, and that's where you're spending less on travel, but you're spending a lot more on medical expenses. That's a great point, Ryan. So uh, some, some big changes could be in the cards for retirement planning spending habits, but it sounds like even if the habits change, the amounts might all end up being still the same. So might not be the safest bet to guess on the underside there. Yeah. And another thing I'd like to throw out, you know, since we're talking about this is, is so many other people assume they're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. And I don't really think that's the case either because you end up losing a lot of your write-offs, you know, once your children are out of the house and, and what have you. And, and the, other, the other aspect with that is, is that, in my opinion, with what we have going on with Social Security and our national debt, I think taxes can only go up. 
and the and the consequence of that just being that people the, the money that's in those 401ks and IRAs is even less of yours if that happens, right? Well, absolutely. And I you know, and I want to bring this up too because I talk about this all the time with uh, my pilot clients. I go, "Hey, you know, and this is before they had Roth options and 401k plans. So some of these older pilots I have, they I go, "Hey, you know, you got let's say 1.5 million dollars in your 401k. You think that's your money, right?" And he's like, "Hell yeah, that's my money." And I'm like, no, actually, you have a partnership with the United States government, and a portion of that is theirs. And with the stroke of a pen, that percentage can change overnight. And I don't think people actually think about you know, those tax-deferred plans that they have that the government actually owns most of that, or not most of it, but you know, a, a large portion of it. Yeah, that's a great point too, Ryan. Uh, so many people, I don't think, realize the tax implications of their portfolios, and uh, it's such a big deal that uh, often goes unaddressed inside of plans. Well, if anything we've talked about today, maybe you've based your retirement on the idea or your financial planning on the idea that you're going to move from stocks to bonds as you get older, or you've just been shooting for that target of a million dollars without really knowing why, just sort of shooting for that one number and then sort of crossing your fingers and saying that should be enough. We'll see how it all plays out. Don't base your retirement and your plans off of you know kind of those, those hopes and dreams and assumptions. Uh, we want to put together solid financial plans, and that's what Ryan does for pilots all across the world. If you want to get in touch, it's very easy to do so. All you have to do is call or text 843-475-3038 is the number. That's 843-475-3038. Or go online to FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. And we'll put contact info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Ryan, thanks for the help. This was a good one, I think, to discuss. We probably could continue listing out some of these obsolete retirement planning ideas, but that's probably good enough for today. For sure, Walter. And I appreciate you being on the show today and look forward to a future episode where I want to throw the tidbit out there for our listeners that we're going to talk about some eye-opening stats that are showing how Americans save today versus maybe how they've done it in the past. Very good. We'll feature that on an upcoming episode of The Pilot's Advisor. So make sure you come back and tune in for that. For Ryan Fleming, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to The Pilot's Advisor featuring Ryan Fleming, a financial advisor at Fleming Financial Group, serving clients worldwide, but based out of Charleston, South Carolina. If you have any questions for Ryan on what we've talked about on today's show, maybe a future topic idea, or want to talk more about getting a complimentary review of your financial plan, here's the best ways to get in touch. You can go online to the website, FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. You can also email Ryan. It's simply Ryan at FlemingFG.com. Or you can call or text to get in touch. 843-475-3038 is the number. That's 843-475-3038. Thanks for listening to The Pilot's Advisor. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, in many more locations. So whatever app you like to use, search for the Pilots Advisor podcast today and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.